Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. And welcome to episode 299 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers here, as always, with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. 299. That feels like we're on the cusp of something. It is. We'll talk at the end of the show. We'll talk a little bit more about next week in episode 300. But yeah, last episode in the 200s. Um, today we are talking about feeding our families, which is something we return to again and again on the show because as it turns out they always need to eat, and it's a joke we make often. Um, but specifically feeding our families in this winter 2021, we're kind of coming up on one year since the pandemic kind of affected every part of COVID life. Um, we have talked about grocery shopping and meal planning during COVID, but I looked, and the last time we really talked about it was July. And it just, as with everything else wow. in the past 12 months, there have been diff- there have been phases within phases of the pandemic. So it's always worth um, always worth returning to. And honestly, feeding my family is something it's like one of my bigger parenting struggles. It's like uh, it's just it's a lot right now and it's not it's not going perfectly. So I'm eager to dig in. So can I just say something about that, that when we were talking about um, talking about education and school choices and stuff? July was also the last time we had talked about that Uh and how it felt so much more recent to me. And there's something weird about pandemic time. Like in the beginning, Mm -hmm. when we said like time is meaningless, is it a day? Is it a week? There is something about the first like two months of the pandemic that felt like a year. Mm -hmm. And then after that, it's like time is shrinking somehow. It's Mm -hmm. very strange. And I guess maybe when you get used to something, it normalizes and speeds up. So like the beginning was so weird that like every day felt like a week. And now, you know, July, we haven't touched some of these topics and it feels like since July, like, eh, it just kind of just happened yesterday. 
Yeah. Um, so this is a great time for us to do this episode because um, on Friday we did an episode or we did a voice, I did a voices episode with Julie Revelant, who mm-hmm. is the host of a new podcast called Food Issues. And, and uh, we really, the, the episode that we did together really dove into like some bigger global issues like school lunches, food insecurity, like mm-hmm. how COVID has changed eating in kids marketing to kids, like kind of big stuff right. that sometimes is a little bit hard to, I don't know, distill down into practical. It's great information and it's fascinating. And I think a lot of our listeners are really going to love that conversation, but also then you kind of come away going, oh my gosh, it's, it's all a mess. Right. It's kind like, of at the macro systemic level, which is why Julie yes. was so, um, I mean, she's so well-spoken she's so knowledgeable about systemic macro level food issues, especially in our country with our kids. And actually, I think that's really important for all of our listeners to understand. But then also here we are at the micro level and our kids are still asking for snacks or we're still trying right. to get dinner on the table. So it's right. both. It's yep. a both and situation, I think. So. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I, I think that um, anyway, I think this is a nice follow up because we can talk about how it really looks in our houses. And sometimes what you want things to look like just aren't how they look. Yeah. And I think you know, as always on this show, sometimes just sharing what's going on in our homes sort of gives all of you listening the reminder that nobody's got this figured out. I mean, the parenting media or whatever you're consuming, whether it's Pinterest or Instagram or, you know, articles, um, it's, it's out there to give you recipes and meal plans and ideas and inspiration, but there's not as, you don't have as much access to like what regular people are struggling with in their homes as they feed their families. So we're just going to kind of talk through some, some bigger areas of feeding our families that are, that are normally a challenge, but then how they are specifically challenged right now. Um, as we kind of celebrate, celebrate as we, as we come up (laughs) upon a year year of COVID life. Um, but okay. So before we break, I thought this might be kind of interesting. So Megan, I want you to think back and listeners, you play along too. We're recording this in early February. You're hearing it in, you know, the first full week of February. Think back one year ago when maybe you'd heard of coronavirus in, in abroad and, but it was not yet probably affecting your life in the first week of February. What were, um, the biggest challenges or even just one of the biggest challenges you would have said a year ago about feeding your family? Cause we know they're different now, but what was the reality and maybe what was one of the bigger pain points of the stage of life you were in a year ago? So before I dive into like the snapshot of a year ago, I just want to talk about how, how interesting it is to me, the way these challenges have shifted, um, over the last 10 years, maybe. So when my kids were little, they were actually pretty good about eating what I put on their plates, like within kid reason. And obviously with all the caveats that someone always rejected some food group or whatever. Right. But like the trick in those days was me. Like I wasn't always organized enough to put together the meal plan. I didn't always get dinner on the table. So like, I felt like I, there, the missing piece, the missing link was like me having the organization and skills to put the right foods in front of the kids Mm -hmm. Now that they're big kids, they're actually very happy to eat what I make, but A, it's hard to get them all around the table at the same time. Mm -hmm. And B, this is the bigger one that I think has played in most in the pandemic is that they're so self-sufficient. They just do whatever they want Mm -hmm. and then they're not hungry. Mm -hmm. So a year ago, I would say I was struggling pretty hard with leftovers, not getting eaten. Um, 
especially when I overplanned, my kids are at their dad's half the week and it's like a shorter half one week and then a longer half the next, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yep. Like one week it's, you know, solid four and the other it's three. And I constantly was struggling with this flip-flop between overbuying and underbuying or like categories when the kids suddenly were like, we don't like bagels. And I'm like, no, all you've been wanting me to buy is bagels. And now you don't like bagels. So it's like, that was probably a year ago, my biggest challenge. And I think as we dig into this episode, it'll be interesting how both of those have changed for us. Like for our challenges have changed. Yeah. How about you? So I think for me, I mean, in the phase of life where, so my kids right now are 8, 10, 12. So a year ago, they were 7, 9, 11, very solidly in the busy years of elementary and early middle school. So evening activities had been a thing for a little while. Um, you know, Taekwondo into the evening and different times, like sometimes it would be before dinner, sometimes after dinner. So one big challenge that spoiler alert is not really a challenge anymore in COVID was the scheduling of dinner. And Brian was working obviously outside the home. He was almost always home for dinner. Um, but he's the one who loves to cook and, and really enjoys, um, enjoys the dinner meal more than I do. So finding the nights where he might be home to either help or at least enjoy the meal. And it was something we could scale for everybody's activity schedule. There was just a lot more, I would say, schedule-driven considerations um, a year ago than there are today. Yeah. Um, And then another big challenge, as my kids get older, um, the pickiness has just changed. I mean, I've had some Mm. picky and selective little kids, um, but I find it to be honest, more annoying when they're older, because I know that they agreed, they can suck it up and, and eat what's in front of them. They're not going to barf. It's not the end of the world. And so I find it like more, um, it's, it's more aggravating to me really, because it's almost insulting. It's insulting. And (laughs) it's also like, somehow my kids have adopted this belief that if a meal isn't their favorite, they don't like it. And I'm like, guys, there's yeah. a very wide range of something in the middle where you, it, it's fine. You, it is not your favorite, but also it's fine. You, 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 you've eaten this before. You will like it. It is fine. Just eat it. And so um, that really has not changed in the pandemic. So I kind of gave a little spoiler, I guess, but definitely some things that I was struggling with a year ago are totally different now and others are kind of similar. So it'll be interesting to dig into this. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. 
That's code MOMHOUR550 at factormeals.com slash MOMHOUR50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's from our O-U-R place.com code mom hour. All right, Megan. So I, I wanted to start not with dinner time because sometimes we we dominate a lot of our food conversations around dinner, but there's a whole day of eating and a whole day of potential yep. struggles. Especially now that kids aren't gone. Right. You know, a lot of kids are exactly. at home all day. So yeah. Exactly. So yeah. I would love for you to talk about in your house when the kids are with you. What is the flow of the kitchen being open and closed and this kind of like all day help yourself because your kids are teenagers and tweens? Um, Talk about what that looks like. Has it changed? And is it okay with you or is it like, is it a struggle right now? Okay. So in our current home, it is a free for all, like a total free for all. Now that has changed a lot. Um, Historically, my bedroom has been very close to the kitchen. In every house I've lived in for the last, uh, I don't know, 15 years, my bedroom has been, which is where I work, Mm -hmm. has been really close to the kitchen. Now my bedroom is about as far as you can get from the kitchen. Mm. So I'm not down there like monitoring who's coming in and out. And the kitchen truly is never closed, right? Um, It it really is kind of this, people can kind of self-serve. My kids are back in school full time now, but like, that's pretty recent. Mm -hmm. And for a long, long time, they weren't. I think it's okay with me that my kitchen is just Grand Central Station. It's also where you come into the house, like the entry to the house is through the kitchen. Like it just, it makes sense. It's a big comfy space that people like to gather in. There's a big island. Like, I don't mind that. I think there's some um, things that have started to happen that I don't like, like food and dishes migrating out of the kitchen and never mm-hmm. returning mm-hmm. really annoys me when we have a nice big kitchen that everyone could eat in and there's no reason for them to take mm-hmm. food anywhere else. So that bugs me. And then this general challenge with teenagers, and this is not COVID related exactly, except when you're around them all day, it just becomes more annoying, <laughs> is that teenagers don't view any food they have to make. And when I say make, I might mean like assembling a sandwich <laughs> or like putting water in ramen noodles or like microwaving a plate of leftovers. Like they don't see that as food. If they open the fridge, 
and all they see are foods that need assembly. Mm -hmm. To them, it's like food doesn't even exist. (laughs) And then they'll go in the pantry and grab the easiest thing. So I will say in the pandemic, I do have more control, I feel, over their ability to like, I don't know. I just, I'm not running out to the store all the time. And they can't be like, mom, you run out and get this and that. I'm like, no, I'm on a very kind of regimented purchasing schedule yeah. right now, right? And I just kind of stopped buying chips and crackers because I knew they would always reach for that over real food. And I think almost a year of being stuck at home with whatever food was there and available has made them all step up a degree. But here's the clincher or the problem. (laughs) They all discovered DoorDash Mm -hmm. and they've all got their own money. Yeah. So they all know. And Jacob, my oldest, is an enabler because he it's one of those like I'll buy if you fly kind of things. Like if anybody is welcome, like anybody else is willing to put the order in, he'll pay. And they'll just have DoorDash coming. And I'm like, what is, am I losing control of my house? Why is there someone (laughs) delivering food to my house? And no one even shoveled the walk. But anyway. Yeah. um, So the pain points have definitely shifted. So it doesn't really bother me. Like I'm not laying in bed anymore thinking, why are there these loud voices in the kitchen? Like it's not that anymore. It's more like, is food being used the way I want it to be used without all this supplement, like outdoor, like outside supplementation? And, and no, it's not. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Okay. I loved hearing that by the way, because we're just at the beginning of the teen years and I'm laughing so hard because yes, my nearly 13 year old is a hundred percent in that camp of like, well, I posted a picture. I think it was in our Facebook group. When she was in sixth grade, I taught her how to make her own lunch. And she's such a rule follower that she really did like for about a year, she made her own lunch with different, you know, a sandwich and some fruit and some dried blueberries and some chips, usually something like that. Well, somehow we got into buying cans of Progresso soup, which again, it's not even what I'd really like fill my pantry (laughs) with. It's just almost like if somebody's sick or a backup or something, we don't eat a lot of canned soup. That's teenager Um, food. So she discovered that she can just heat it up in the morning, put it in a thermos and go. And so now that's how that's like, that's her packing a lunch, um, which I'm just laughing because it took her until she became a teenager. Like she was still following the rules and packing a proper lunch. And now she's like, oh no, I want the closest thing to a pre-assembled anything um, that I can possibly And the get. most starch and salt she can oh, possibly yeah. put like in her body sodium, as well. Exactly. I'm sure. Ex- yeah. exactly. Like yeah. sodium for days. Um, so that part I really related to, but my kids do not yet door dash themselves or have their own money. Um, and in terms of like when they wander in and are hungry, it's really dependent on we've had, we've had zoom school remotely. We've had in-person school. And then of course, like everybody, we had many months in the spring and summer where everybody was home all the time. And I would say we we have maintained some structure, the biggest, and, and by structure, I mean, when it gets around lunchtime, either Brian or I is sort of still in that like parental, um, not short order cook, but like, okay, I'm going to get out some stuff for lunch. Does anybody want, I'm going to make some mac and cheese or I'm going to make some sandwiches. And if they want something specific, they can have input. So we're still involved, which I think is my preference. It's a lot of work, but at least I think we have a little more control than what I'm hearing you say. One of the biggest differences is Brian's home all the time. So we have two adults. Um, and because the kids still look to us to provide meals, it is sometimes a point of tension of like, 
who who is going to fix lunch today? If, is it the adult who happens to have wandered out of their office and now all of a sudden you not only have to make lunch for yourself, but three kids? And we don't really have a we don't really have a system for daytime um, food parenting. Does that make sense? Like we're just yeah. it's kind of like if you get caught in the crosshairs and a kid is hungry, I guess you're making mac and cheese. So we're, right. we're at a different phase than you are for sure. But but with everybody home more, the the kitchen is definitely open and and 100 percent they would reach for chips and granola bars like uh, agreed. Like they are never, ever going to reach for a banana. Never. It's never right. going to happen. Right. Even so. peeling a banana feels no. like so much oh, more work yeah. than like opening a granola bar, which oh, I think yeah. is so funny. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, that's a good way to transition to talking specifically about um I'll just use the term junk food, but I think the things that kids are likely to gravitate towards, so that might be treats and sugar. It might be just convenience foods like you were talking about. It's not about the sugar, but they just don't want to work hard Um, or anything like special drinks, your Gatorades or your sodas, processed food, packaged food. I can go first on this. Um, And and COVID has very much changed how we are about this kind of thing. And I it took me a long time to figure out why. Um, First of all, I think there is an emotional comfort aspect to in the early pandemic when everything was canceled and we were disappointing our children every other day by telling them some birthday party or some camp was not going to happen. And I'm talking early, early, like March and April. Um, Having a little treat or doing a like ice cream sundae bar at home, like those were the points of like celebration and joy that we were trying to, we all, I don't just mean my family, but all of us were trying to figure out how to have fun at home, how to create meaning and celebration as a family. And for better or worse, that often involves food. Um, and so I empathize and I understand why it came to this, why, okay, now we buy, I buy French fries all the time, frozen bags of French fries, never used to buy that. You know why? Because we used to go to restaurants. My kids used to eat French fries occasionally when we were out and it wasn't all the time, but it was like a special treat. There's no more going out. We, our family has not returned to restaurants in any shape or form yet. And so there's a little bit of like, I'm not sure they're eating more sugar or more junk necessarily, but they used to do it outside the home because it was like cupcakes at a birthday party, or we'd go out for ice cream or we would do Starbucks after school. And we don't do any of that. So I have kind of allowed more of the more of that stuff to come into my home. And it's been a struggle of like, how much do I care is really the, is like the question. Is this just it's what it is, what it means to be in 2021. And I just I just don't care. Or is there something I can do to like to keep the wheels on the train a little bit. And that's where I'm just saying, I I don't know. All I know is my kids now feel entitled to a legitimate dessert every single day. And they, that's like their birthright now. And that never used to be the case. So that's definitely changed in COVID. And we buy things like ice cream sandwiches and we keep stuff around that we wouldn't have. And you know, that just, yeah. So I guess I sound kind of negative here, but I'm hoping others can relate that there's a reason we got here. There's a reason we got here. And I yeah. I don't want to beat myself up for those reasons. And in fact, there are things that are healthier. We spend way less money on restaurants. We, yeah. We're not going through drive throughs We're not doing a lot of that, but we are, we are eating more sugar and more. I've just, I've relaxed the reins on a lot of convenience and packaged stuff. So there we go. Well, I I think there's probably so many people listening who are in exactly the same spot. Um, I think for me, it hasn't changed much because I will say 
having five older kids, I had already scaled down how much we went out for special stuff to almost nothing. Mm -hmm. First of all, getting everyone to go out at the same time (laughs) is a major feat. And like, I would say when there was like, um, I don't know, like an occasion where maybe John was going to be picking the kids up after school, but I happened to have the afternoon free and we happened to have like two or three or four kids available. We might all go out and grab and just catch up. And like the kids could tell us both what was going on. So we did that maybe like once every other month. But mm-hmm. other than that, my kids were not going to restaurants anyway, because it's really expensive. Yeah. <laughs> like it's really, really expensive to take teenagers out to eat. Yeah. Teenage boys. I mean, we yeah. would end up spending so much money. So um, I don't think that's really like that didn't change the balance. Right. I think my approach to buying junky stuff is kind of the same as it probably was a year ago. It's like, well, hey, I bought that box of cookies this one time and when it's gone, it's gone. And I won't be doing that again, you know, for probably three trips. Like I won't be buying junk the next time or the next time. Maybe I'll buy it on the third time. Right. Soda on occasion, if we're having like if we're having like a special dinner or like if it's a holiday. So all of those things are about the same as they are. Are And actually, if anything, I think the way I shop has become a little more consistent and a little healthier the way Mm. I shop and cook at home because it just the distractions are gone. I'm not running out the door any old time to grab this or that and then seeing donuts and grabbing those or whatever. Um, The bigger thing that has changed again is that my kids are not only of the age that they are able to kind of take the bull by the horns if they want junk. Mm-hmm. They've just like kind of realized it in the last year. They've realized their remote shopping power mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's nothing stopping them. Like if they want to walk to the party store or order DoorDash, or if they want to like make their own cookies, like they'll figure out a way to do that. And I don't get in the way of that. Like anything someone wants to make, they're welcome to make. If they want to walk to this, like throw their mask on and walk to the store half a mile away, they're welcome to do that. Mm-hmm. Not really, not really Clara on her own, but like the rest of them can and do. So mm-hmm. um, I'm not like the decision maker behind it, but kind of what ends up happening when your kids get older is that you just lose control anyway. And I've just realized like all I can control at this point is what I'm bringing into the house and then what I'm feeding my kids. Yeah. And Again, teenagers just really want easy food. This is one thing I have realized with um, the way I shop is that sometimes I need to think about easy, healthy food Mm -hmm. and not necessarily line up, like not necessarily categorize easy and junk together. So like, for example, if I buy, you know, those prepackaged salad, the salad kits, not the ones in the bag. I mean, Mm -hmm. the ones that are even easier. They're like in the little dish. Yep. They're like the divided containers. All they have to do is pop the top and put the dressing and the croutons on, Mm -hmm. they're happy to eat that. They're as happy to eat that, happier, I would argue, than if they had to go take a box out of the pantry and put it in hot. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like put it in like hot water or whatever. So they'll eat the salad over the mac and cheese. The salad just has to be compellingly packaged. Yes. And, and easy. I, th- I totally see it. Be- it's a, it's a reverse strategy of what you might think, but it's almost like start with the convenience factor and back into the slightly healthier version. Yeah, you're right. And so that's exactly what it is. And so for me, I've realized there's almost like a, like a hierarchy of ease for them. So <laughs> DoorDash is easy, but not as easy as if they could just open the fridge and pull something out mm-hmm. and going to the party store or, you know, um, walking someplace is pretty low on the easy scale. So if they have something 
else they could eat at home, like some nuts. They'll eat that over going out for chips. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I just become like this little fairy, like the convenience fairy, like setting up the kitchen to make it all so that the, um, like the healthy stuff pops out Mm -hmm. and looks really easy and enticing. And this is exactly the advice we'd give a toddler mom or a preschooler mom, you know, put the, put the baby carrots in a little container and, you know, put bright colors together and make it easy. Like they don't change that much just because they're teenagers. They still don't want to work hard for it. And they still want it handed to them. It's just they have more options outside the home. they still will eat eventually if they're hungry. But you have to get in front of them with like the path of least resistance that leads to carrots. Exactly. Yeah. That's really, that is helpful for me to hear. I do feel like I'm in this hybrid phase where they want to eat like teenagers, um, but they are still looking to us for a lot of the guidance and they're not as independent. Um, and so I just feel like I end up having a lot of conversations about, can I, can I have this leftover candy that I got yesterday? I don't even know how they get oh. candy. Like there's a lot of, um, <laughs> is it funny how you wind up with stuff? You're like, where did just, that even come and from? They, they hoard it. They ask questions about it. Well, but we're going to have, you know, we had birthday cake for Violet's birthday. But am I still allowed to have this? And it's like, I, I almost, it's probably, I've put myself in this position by being rather involved and controlling. And it will be easier when I reach the point where like, they don't even ask anymore. And then like you said, it's just my job to present, present what I hope they'll eat and make the other stuff kind of fade into the background. Of course, they'll, they'll go get it and they'll eat it, but the, the, my stuff will have a presence too. But yeah, it's, it's been kind of challenging. I think at your kid's age was when I shifted from like a meeting out um, portions strategy to like a, this is what's here. Right. And it's all there's going to be. Yeah. So if you want to eat it all in one day, be my guest. Yeah. Like, I don't care. I truly don't care. If I buy a box of, you know, fruity pebbles or something, which I don't do very often, but every now and then I'm like, hey, wouldn't it be nice to just surprise the kids with this total junk? Right. Right. I know full well that will be gone within three hours. Right. <laughs> and it, I, I don't want it to be my job to decide how it gets like portioned out. And also what difference does it make if it's all they're going to get? Right. Like, I feel like it's one of those things. It's like video game time or like, not that's a bad example. There's just certain things that like policing. It doesn't, doesn't help. Right. If it's either, if in the end they still got the same amount. Yes. No, I think, you know what I mean? I think you're totally right. And it is definitely somehow we have entered this slippery slope of buying things that we don't really feel good about having in the house. That's really, I mean, that's the problem really. Right. Um, and I, I know how we got there, but I wanted to go back to one more thing you said, and then we should go to break. But, um, I did, I think this was around the holidays when they'd gotten in the habit of having an ice cream sandwich after dinner, when I stopped buying them and they were like, what? And I said, you know, it's the holidays. There's going to be a lot more opportunities for things like baking and things like that. So um, if you guys really want dessert, you can make it. And I did exactly what you said, which is like anybody can bake a batch of cookies if they want. And they kind of were like, okay. And they did. They actually baked quite a bit. Um, So they made brownies and they'd make cookies and stuff like that. So I might go back to that in terms of the of the sugar, because baking is a good activity. We're in the middle of winter, you know, um, well, they learn something from it yeah. and they usually you know, do it together. Yeah. It's fun. So yeah. Um, but you, I think for, thank you for this therapy session for me, but I think what we're, <laughs> what we're realizing is like, I have, I've enabled quite a few food categories to come into the house that then I feel the need to 
ration or police, which is I'm just I've just made myself miserable. Basically, I either need to say that those foods in a pandemic year are just it's fine. Like, just let it go or I need to stop buying them one or the other. Right. Yep. Circle back on that someday. Let you know how it's going. (laughs) Let you know how it went. Well, I will say it's a rocky road. None of this. None of these are like um, it's not like a straight linear path. Right. Yeah. It's all over the place. I do. I really always appreciate hearing what things are like with giant, giant man children in your house as you have. So. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest. I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day, and it could seriously use a refresh. But you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately, the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather. But please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Vionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at Vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic Shoes. Wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves, so they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids' vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash mom hour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, so here's the funny thing about meal planning and grocery shopping, Megan. It's probably one of the topics that we have addressed on this show more than almost any other. Um, I mean, dozens of times we've done episodes, we've had guests, um, and, and we hear from those of you out there that people really do like episodes about meal planning and grocery shopping. And we have discussed it since the pandemic started things um, in different episodes in different ways. So here we are. It's February 2021. Um, I think it's worth discussing again, but I think I'd love to kind of keep this focused on like a snapshot in time right now, um, because we know like month 12 of the pandemic is different than month two and month five. So I would love to hear what 
what is the reality of your meal planning right now, one year into COVID? So it hasn't changed dramatically, which is weird. Um, but I'm still making the same kinds of meals, right? Like that I would have made it a year ago. And I'm still following. I was already pretty into getting groceries delivered. So that was not like a big change for me. Um, mm -hmm. One blessing of the pandemic is that it really has forced me to come to some terms with um, to terms with some of the gaps in my systems. One big one is food waste, and that's because everything equalized. So all of us are home most of the time. There's just no playing it off like this week was really busy, and that's why we never finished the stew. You know, like <laughs> right. I know why we didn't finish the stew because I made too much, or because I doubled up. Like I had two days in a row where I made a big meal and no one ever went back, or I forgot to put it back out. Like. Right. All of those, like it kind of just showed me where the holes in my methods were. And with things being so same, same for so long, there's no such thing as a weird week anymore. Right. And I used to blame <laughs> a lot of like my shortcomings on like, oh, well, I was traveling that week or, oh, it was really busy because the kids all had stuff after school and my food management was just chronically imperfect. And I'm not, I mean, everybody's this. I'm not right. like, knocking myself at all. It's just that now I can see specifically. And one of the things was I really overbought a lot mm -hmm. and I really was bad, even though leftover management has been part of my strategy for a really long time. I would, I would, I'd pull stuff back out the next day if I had a plan for it. But if I didn't, it would just kind of linger in the fridge till I did. And so lots of stuff just kind of, kind of got ignored. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually buying a lot, planning and purchasing a lot fewer, like unique meal in, uh, pieces. Okay. I'm not even gonna say ingredients, but yeah. like, um, so I might start off the week and think, okay, the kids are with me for four days this week. I only need like one big package of chicken, um, or like one pork tenderloin, and then maybe like a pound of ground beef. And what I'm going to do with that is I'm going to have one night where we're going to eat half the chicken. The next night we'll eat the rest. The third night we'll have tacos with the ground beef. The fourth night, let's face it. We're probably all going to be sick of eating right. and we'll like what I made and we'll have sandwiches and soup or something. And that is plenty like that gets me way farther than I used to give credit to. So that's one thing that I think has just gotten I've just kind of gotten a little more under control or yeah. I'm getting under control. And then the other thing is that I really had to come to terms with the fact that last Mar uh, March, I may have gone a little overboard on like my apocalypse pantry stocking. <laughs> I remember. I was so organized and a lot of it we did eat. Um, the snacks got eaten, the cereals and, and crackers and things got eaten. But man, I bought a lot of pasta and beans and tomato sauce and stuff like that, that we haven't really even touched. So now what I'm doing is rotating that filler ah. into the meals that I was planning anyway. So right. day two uh, with leftover chicken, maybe that's going to get served up with some, you know, one of those 17 boxes of spaghetti. Yeah. I love sitting it. there. So so it hasn't like the way I do it. My methods aren't different. I think I've really fine tuned a lot, which is kind of fun. Yeah, that is. I think I think that feels like a success story to me, especially on I, I am very satisfied by when leftovers line up and when food doesn't get wasted. So that sounds like a very satisfying fine tuning. Um, so good job. Um, for us, actually, this is also a success story. Uh, meal planning has finally in. 13 years of parenting and 15 years of marriage, I really feel like we meal plan together on the weekends now. Um, and I think it's because of a lot of frustration in the first six months of the pandemic 
um, Brian being home more and really liking to cook dinner. But the way he likes to cook dinner is to wander out of the home office at 5, 5.15, 5.30, look in the fridge, see what we have, and come up with something on the fly. And while that's amazing that he can do that, it doesn't, it was leading to like uh, meals that the kids weren't excited about with no alternatives planned. Um, So that was a little bit hard for me because the kids would be asking what's for dinner. And Brian is, I mean, I'm very, I, I know many couples don't have this dynamic where he's very involved in the cooking, but he was not very involved in the planning. So I was left sometimes not knowing what the plan was. And yet the chef is, hasn't decided yet. And it created a lot of uh, limbo and tension. So we really have switched to um, like on Sundays, looking at the week ahead. And we start with protein because we do butcher box right now. We've gone in and out of butcher box, but we do butcher box for our proteins. So we always have proteins um, in the freezer and they require thawing. You need to know like sometimes two or three days ahead if it's a big piece of meat or at least a day ahead. So we start with our proteins and then um, we kind of work you know, work backward or back into a meal plan from there. But I will say probably for the first time in years, I can reliably tell you what's for dinner, you know, four nights a week. And um, food uh, waste management, food waste has not been as big of a deal because I I really like to eat leftovers myself. And um, we just didn't have that problem as much. But that has also worked well with everyone being home. Um, So I'm going to say that meal planning is a pandemic win for us that I hope to keep going, you know, keep that going after post pandemic life. So it's going well. I love that. Well, and that's, it sounds like, I think what this has given us an opportunity to do, like by removing all those distractions and anything kind of outside the home, taking Mm -hmm. us away or making things weird, it's kind of allowed us to like not baloney ourselves Mm -hmm. (laughs) about what's actually happening. And um, it makes me a little worried, like about, okay, so when life does get back to whatever normal looks like in the future, like, how do I keep the wheels on the bus? I'm not actively worried about it, but I am thinking about that because there are definitely systems. My budget's in better shape. um, I think our shopping and meal planning is in better shape. And like, I want to hang on to that. So it's good to keep in mind. Maybe I'll come back and listen to this in six months or a year. (laughs) I know, right? Um, Well, and for us, I think it's also been a a really long time coming in terms of the division of dinner labor. Um, because I am sort of the, I am like the, I don't know what you would call. I'm like the executor in a restaurant. Is that what you call it? Like expediter, not executor, the expediter expediter where, you know, the head (laughs) executionist, different role, the head chef, like will stand there and make sure everything is going to the right place. The tables are right. I am like a really good overseer of the process of dinner, but I'm often not the one actually cooking the food. Sometimes I am, but often I'm not. And we didn't all, we weren't always communicating efficiently. And with pickier kids where we do sometimes need a side that's a little more kid friendly. If we're eating some like super lean, you know, fish and broccoli or something, but we weren't communicating about that. So we'd end up with kids being like, we're having what for dinner. And anyway, so I think it's been really a a good exercise for us in communication and sort of dividing and conquering and using our strengths so that everybody knows what's, what's happening. Everyone knows what's coming for dinner. Everyone has something they will eat. Um, and Brian can still enjoy his cooking, which he, which he does enjoy. Well, I just want to make a, I want to make a comment about that dynamic because I had have had that dynamic in the past with 
the one person I used to be married to. <laughs> and um, just, I mean, and, and it sound, I know Brian is an amazing cook. I've eaten some of his food before and it's so nice to have that taken off your plate. But I will just in, just in your defense, if Thank you're, you. if you feel like maybe you fell down on the job, there is something kind of annoying or um, disgruntled making sometimes <laughs> when you're a mom. Is disgruntled making a word? It is now. When you're a mom who's been on duty like all day and your spouse wants to come home and whip up this great dinner and that's so amazing, but why don't you get to go lay down during that right. time? Like yeah. I remember having that tension and I was usually the one making dinner. So it wasn't like that all the time, but the, the occasions where John would make this huge, amazing dinner that like was going to be, you know, way more intricate than the pot roast I was usually going to make. Right. Yeah. But then I was like kind of expected to be part of that process. And I was kind of grumpy about it. Like yeah. I would have some resentment thinking like, when do I get to not think about dinner then? Yep. Like when, when is this truly off of my plate? And so I'm glad you guys did come up with a workflow that works for you, but I don't think there's anything wrong with you also saying like some nights, can't we just, right. You know, have like, like chips with cheese on them yes. and then I don't have to be a part of it yeah, like, totally. at all. Totally. So, um, totally. and I bet there's probably lots of listeners who are in a similar boat where their partner is the cook mm -hmm. and they're kind of like the sous chef. And right. sometimes you just don't want to even be in the kitchen. You don't want to be in the kitchen or you don't want to manage the details involved in someone else's cooking vision. And that, that's, that's not kind as of fun. Like, no, it's not. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah. I'd rather actually yeah. cook a mediocre meal myself in a lot of, a lot of cases. Yep. That's yeah kind of what I ended up defaulting to yeah. a lot of the time. So anyway, just validating. Thank you. It sounds like you guys have a good routine. Yeah, we do. We do. Well, let's talk about grocery shopping and we've both alluded to it, but what's, what is it like right now and how has it changed um, through the pandemic? So remember I said that like I had already started doing delivery anyway, so yeah. that really hasn't changed. I'm still probably fully a half to three quarters shipped. Mm -hmm. um, I will, I'll kind of wander away from it every now and then. But it's so easy. And I have found that if I try to mix up my shopping routine too much and like, I don't know, do routine or do a ship like a quarter of the time and then go to like a different store that's cheaper, I just get confused. I yeah. get overwhelmed by new options. If I go into stores, I get like overwhelmed by the layout. I end up straying off the path. I overbuy. I forget stuff. So, well, having groceries delivered um, for a while was really hard, but it's been very easy for the last six months. I mean, there was a period where you could not get a spot, but they've really worked that out. It's very easy now. If I did a delivery order right now, I'd have food within two hours. So it's, there's no reason not to. And I do think in the end, I wind up probably saving money because I just have so much more control over the process. Mm -hmm. Um, I love Aldi. I try to get there about once a month because their prices on pantry stuff cannot be beat and organics. Like I can stock up if I go once a month, um, I can stock up on organic eggs, butter, heavy cream, stuff like that. And the prices are just ridiculously good. Mm -hmm. uh, milk is hard. It spoils faster. So I don't, I don't, you know, count on that. I don't have room either to keep a month's worth of milk in my fridge, but it spoils faster than cream. But like, I just, to me, that's like, um, like a supplement mm -hmm. trip. Like I'm buying, I'm going to go buy stuff that like, I'm going to need, but not very often. I'm going to get my olive oil. I'm going to get things like that, that maybe I don't want to buy unshipped at full price, um, plus delivery, you know, tip and stuff like that. But like, mostly I'm still mostly shipped. Mm -hmm. How about you? Yeah. So, well, we moved in July, which I guess was the last time we talked about meal planning and grocery shopping, I think. Um, and so with the move, it took a little bit of time to get a new rhythm, but 
I am back to weekly Trader Joe's for myself, which has really been my go-to for years and years and only changed in the early pandemic. In the early pandemic, I've talked about this, but we had very hard time with delivery. You could not get a spot. Um, and so it was actually Brian who headed out to Trader Joe's. I was, it was, I was a little too nervous to go to the stores. It was in those early days. And he, yeah. he, I was also not as itching to get out of the house. I'm more of a homebody, whereas he like needed to get out of the house. So we had a system for a while where he did the weekly shopping, but we've been back for months now of um, a weekly Trader Joe's for me, probably a monthly Costco. And I hate going to Costco. So that's almost always him. But similar, we can stock mm. up there on some really good priced items that we get at Costco. Um, and we really don't do any grocery delivery like shipped or um, like that kind. But we do get a weekly farm box now. And that's something that we'd we'd started playing around with in Orange County before the pandemic. But it was every other week. Um, and with that one, we could choose our vegetables. And it was a little bit actually overwhelming with the new one here in Santa Barbara, we don't choose our vegetables. It's more of a traditional CSA, which is you just, you get what's in season. They do send you an email and tell you what's coming, which is awesome because I take that email and I like, I paste it where I have it when I'm at the grocery store. So I know I usually go to the grocery store either Sunday or Tuesday. And I know the farm box is coming on like Wednesday morning. So I won't buy, if we're getting a bunch of Brussels sprouts, I won't buy Brussels sprouts at the store. So that's actually kind of clicked into place in a very satisfying way. And I love getting the farm fresh produce and we've been pretty good about using it. Um, so I don't know, grocery shopping feels, I think, pretty good and pretty normal, except I will circle back to my whole rant earlier, which is that we've just, we've made some things that used to be very occasional purchases into now an expected part of the grocery trip. Yeah. And that's been, that's a different challenge. That's kind of weaning the kids off of the expectation that there's always this in the pantry. There's always this kind of granola bar. There's always, you know, our, our, what we're buying, I think has some pandemic. It's still showing signs of pandemic habits, but the the yeah. rhythm of going and the routine of going uh, feels pretty good right now. And we seem to be using everything and not running out of things. So, yeah, I feel good about that. Well, and that is a pain point for your kids, not for you. Right. <laughs> and I think that that's like the thing it's hard to sometimes accept. Like you didn't fail if you stopped buying that stuff. Right. Like that's that's on the kids to feel bad about. And it, like I know that it stinks because they're going to be grumpy about it right. and unhappy. But like. It, that doesn't, there's nothing wrong with your shopping habits. It's just that you're not going to buy those anymore as much. And maybe you're going to bring it down to every other week or right. whatever. And yeah, that's on you. I wanted to make a couple comments. First of all, my special man friend has a Costco membership. And when we first started hanging out, he invited me a couple times to go to Costco. I had never been. Um, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> and he keeps wanting to go back. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to. Like, I know you can get great deals. I just... And I know it's like a great magical place with like really good deals on stuff. But going in that store gives me the heebie-jeebies. Like, yeah. and it's not because there's like tons of other people around. Like we never went during busy times. It didn't feel COVID unsafe. It just felt like a nightmare. Yeah. Of high ceilings and fluorescent lights and too many choices of some things and not any choices of other things. Yeah. I mean completely overwhelmed shutdown. So I'd rather not shop that way. Um, even though I see the value in it and I'm sure there's people who really have made a great, you know, like have it down. And I just, maybe I just didn't give it enough of a shot. Um, my other thing that I was going to say about butcher box that made me think of like, I am getting a cow. I'm getting a quarter of a cow. Nice. So I'm excited about that. 
my dream, and maybe we can follow back up in July again, just to see where I'm at with the stream, right? My dream would actually be to get my proteins all from places like the local meat market, Mm -hmm. um, some of these like mail order seafood companies that we've worked with. um, And yeah, I've got that meat market that I was going to that's only 20 minutes away and they have great pork and brats and all kinds of stuff. And then having this cow in my freezer. Okay, so then all my meat's taken care of. Usually if you have those hookups, you can also get your dairy and your eggs. Mm -hmm. Like I just, it's like one more step, but often you can kind of coordinate that to have it like, dropped off there. You know, like there's ways to make that easy. Actually, my farm box, you can add dairy and eggs to the farm box. Yes. Yeah, you can. Yeah. And some make it easy to just like, sometimes like the dairy person will be at a certain market at certain days of the week and you can just buy it. So like Mm -hmm. there's ways to work around this if you try. And we don't obviously have any local produce right now because it's the dead of winter here. And right now all we're really eating is cauliflower and broccoli anyway, because at this time of year, you start to realize that anything else just is not, it's either come from Chile or it's like, not in great shape. Um, but once summer kicks in, I would like to have a CSA. And then once I had all those pieces in place, I truly think I could do Aldi like once a month. I really don't know that I would need if I was very organized. And mm-hmm. that's the thing. Like, yeah, I think it'd be a fun challenge. Not something I could have done 10 years ago very easily. I don't think with little kids and just the the pace of life. But I think that would be a really fun challenge for the summer. So I think hereby so I'm throwing down the gauntlet and challenging myself to do that. I love that. And I, I do think my Trader Joe's, even though I go weekly, if we're if we are getting our butcher box and our farm box, I'm really buying a lot of like I buy lunch stuff for the kids and I buy yep. fresh fruit that it doesn't come in the farm box. So we get a lot of like we get some cut up pineapple and some strawberries and some of the apples that won't come in the farm box. And that, that is a lot of the only produce the kids are eating right now, you know, baby carrots and things like that. But really, yeah, my weekly Trader Joe's gets smaller and smaller the more we do the farm box and the butcher box. So yeah, I think that's a great challenge. Yeah. Just hold me to that. Okay. Okay. Well, I will remind you. (laughs) Unless, unless I fail, then totally don't please. Well, (laughs) and that is a great transition to kind of, I think where we wanted to wrap up, which is I mean, just like when we talked about schools last week, everybody's priorities are different. And so for you, maybe it's buying local or organic or saving money or doing it all once a month. And and so everybody's priorities are different. But I, I think it's worth mentioning that we can be really hard on ourselves with feeding our families by thinking that we are or are not living up to whatever, whatever we've decided is important. And a lot of our past food episodes have kind of touched on this, that like, it's very hard to tick all the boxes of like every article that's ever been written about family dinners, right? You're sitting down at the same time. You're eating a whole food cooked meal. Everyone's eating the same thing. You're not making any picky kid alternatives. Like it's very, very difficult to tick all of those boxes. So you kind of have to decide which ones are the most important and give yourself a lot of grace and forgiveness on the rest. So I think the pandemic is no different. I mean, you heard me kind of wrestling with Like, I understand why we have more junk food in our house because it's a freaking pandemic. Like, it's it's like these are unprecedented times. At the same time, I have to figure out, like, is that important to me? And if so, how to get back on track? And if not, how can I really give myself a free pass, even if it's for another year? Like, even if we have ice cream sandwiches every day for another year, I have to find a way to be okay with that. So I guess just acknowledging that we know that this is a this is a hard thing for a lot of families. Yeah. Well, it's like the dichotomy between whatever rule you decide is okay is okay. So mm-hmm. you you can decide every day is ice cream sandwich day and, and that's okay. 
Um, but also realizing that the thing we thought was going to be two months long is yeah. now, you know, going on a year and counting. And yeah. so like, do we want to make that the rule? <laughs> you right. know, do, do we want to change the way things are to accommodate that? Or would it be not that hard just to end it and go in a different direction? Yeah. And that's like, I feel like your circumstances, there's so many things that go into that decision that everyone is making it a little bit differently with a little bit different factors. And yeah. that's totally fine. Yeah. yeah. And I think even like, even if you take the kids out of the equation for a second and just think about how we feed ourselves, like, I think most of us can relate to like, it feels really good to have an extra glass of wine or eat an entire sleeve yeah. of Girl Scout cookies. And sometimes hard times feel like they warrant a little indulgence, but, and, but, we also know that those are not the things that make us really feel good and right. have the energy to get through another pandemic day. And I think wherever you are in like the cycle of figuring that out, like you're leaning in hard on indulgence because it's been a really long winter and you have kids learning from home, like that's okay. But I think it's also okay to then say, okay, that I, I see why I did that. And <laughs> didn't make me feel good. And so then, then when you even broaden that to include the other eaters in your house, it's complicated, but yeah. I guess we're all just, we're all just doing it best. We or can. that didn't make me good, feel good. Or now that phase has passed. And yeah. we've talked about this before when you get stuck in that, that's really hard. So I'm not going to do it phase. And you never mentally shift out of it. You don't realize like, actually it got easier right. <laughs> or whatever it is with well, this doesn't feel possible because I have a two-year-old. Then you're like, wait, that kid's six. Right. I guess it is possible. <laughs> and that's kind of where I feel like we're all getting to this pandemic. Like what, what felt impossible 10 months ago might feel a lot more possible than you think, because we've all adjusted and we've gotten used to it. Um, and we can't, you can't just go into a state of indulgence forever. Like, right. you, I mean, you could, you could, mm -hmm. but maybe in the end it wouldn't be the best thing for you. So yeah. 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 Well, on that time to wrap up, but I, I do hope people will listen to your interview with Julie from Friday too. It was really great. Yeah. I think she, she's um, done a good job, like just kind of bringing a lot of different issues we're all struggling with. And maybe we don't even know we're struggling with like, like food influencers that are kids didn't mm. know that was a thing. So um, yeah, definitely give it a listen. And I can't believe next episode coming up is 300. It is 300. As we'll talk about next week, we actually have 500 episodes, but it's of these Tuesdays, <laughs> these Tuesday, uh, episodes are the ones that are numbered in order. So we're coming up on 300 next week. If you want to do something to help us celebrate, you could leave us a review in Apple podcasts or wherever you listen. That would be wonderful. And we're going to have a really fun time next week. It's a little bit of a surprise for you, Megan. I haven't told you exactly what we're doing, yeah, so, uh, but it's going to be really fun. So come back to us next Tuesday and we will all celebrate episode 300. Sounds great. Bye. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E R I K A dot A P P, and use code the mom hour to save 20%. Sarah, I started a Substack last spring, just kind of as an experiment, and it turns out I love it. 
I'm treating it kind of like an old school blog, writing about things that are happening in my life. Megan, I've loved following your stuff on Substack, and I actually just really like Substack in general. You know, we've both been a lot less active on Instagram lately, and I'm finding that Substack scratches that itch to connect and create without all the busyness of a typical social media feed. So I would love it if Mom Hour listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at meganfrancis.substack.com, and that's Megan with two A's, M-E-A-G-A-N-Francis.substack.com. 